0: Halloween. Such a simple concept yet, something that has brought countless years of joy to me. There's something about taking all of society's standards and throwing them out the window for 24 hours that's just so absurdly fun. Children going to strangers' houses and taking candy from them, something that would be barred any other time of the year, is suddenly standard. It is one of the only times where you could be in an elevator with Captain America, a sexy nurse, and a zombie, and nobody bats an eye. Yet, there's only one Halloween tradition that has stuck with me my entire life, and that is watching the annual Simpsons Treehouse of Horror specials. Nothing combines fun and fear of Halloween, quite like Homer recreating the Raven or Ned Flanders prancing around as the Devil, they were a staple in my household growing up. And I still consumed them like candy, each and every Halloween. That was why when I heard that my local station was going to be running a Treehouse of Horror marathon, Halloween night, I was pumped beyond belief. However, looking back, I wish I had done something else. Anything other than witnessing what I did. Halloween night passed as always. I spent the night watching classic horror movies and handing out candy to the occasional trick-or-treater. As the marathon neared its start, I found myself feeling like an eight-year-old boy all over again. I set up my snacks, including the leftover Halloween candy that I overstocked on, for exactly this purpose, and got ready for a night of fun. For the first few hours, it was nothing short of spooky nostalgic magic although I did not comprehend the full magnitude of what I was entering. With 30 specials, I was in for about 15 hours of television, and I have to admit that is a bit of an undertaking, even for me. Eventually, I succumbed to boredom and sugar crash, then fell asleep. I was awoken a while later by a commercial that was louder than it had any right to be. It was about 3.30 in the morning, and one of the specials was just ending. I was about to throw in the towel, because they were getting into the later specials that, I'm sorry, just don't have the same level of horror or humor as the older specials. But something caught my eye. The special had an opening that I had never seen before, and I was intrigued as to which one it could be. The special opened with a family watching TV. Kent Brockman was just finishing up the nightly news, when suddenly a loud grandfather clock in the living room began to chime. The Simpsons all at once went into a strange trance and in unison said, It's time. One by one, the family members started to convulse and transform into horrifying creatures. Marge's body started to lengthen and twist, becoming serpent-like. Her eyes became red with yellow lining, and she had become a snake monster. Bart was next, with his back popping out and developing a hunch. His skin turned green. He grew gills and flippers, becoming sort of a Creature from the Black Lagoon-type monster. He felt his crooked back and made a joke about how his chiropractor wasn't going to be happy about this. Homer began growling, and claws erupted from his fingers. His mouth became a snout, and brown hair erupted from all over his body, covering him everywhere except the top of his head, leaving him effectively still bald. This caused him to issue his trademark. Lisa stood awaiting her transformation, only for a simple witch's hat to appear on her head. I'll admit, this got a good laugh from me. Finally, Maggie floated into the air and started turning into a bat, while emitting a deep demonic laugh (laughs) that sent a very real chill through my blood. Suddenly, all of their eyes snapped wide open, and they simply stared at the screen. It disturbed me how intense and creepy their stares were, because it truly gave me the feeling that they were staring at me and not just the screen. One by one, they started to speak with each character, delivering a single sentence. Won't you join us for terror the likes of which you've never felt? These tales are not for the faint of heart. We have delved deep into your mind, and pulled out your darkest fears. If you don't wish to subject yourself to this, then we would humbly advise you to stop now. You have been warned." All at once they leapt at the screen, and blood dripped down, spelling, Treehouse of Terror. As it went to commercial, I found myself needing a minute to catch my breath slightly. I have seen all the specials, including the new one that aired a few days prior, and this was not one of them. I had never even heard of Treehouse of Terror before. Under different circumstances, I would have thought it was a cheap knockoff, but the voice actors and animation budget were there. All of my thoughts of calling it a night went out the window, and I knew I had to keep watching. That may have been the best opening to one of these I had ever seen. It was genuinely funny, and had the creepy quality that many of the later specials were missing. I sat back down and waited with a renewed vigor for the special to resume. The first segment was simply titled, We Be Bored. A mediocre pun, but that was par for the course for these sketches. It opened in the elementary school's auditorium, where Principal Skinner was holding an assembly. He was going over the new terms and conditions for the school's computer operating system in extensive and excruciating detail. Most of the students were either asleep or close to it. At the top of the auditorium, a group of students, including Bart, Lisa, Milhouse, Nelson, and Martin, sat. Everyone, with the exception of Martin, was holding on to consciousness by a thread. Bart looked to his right and saw a small crawl space with an ominous red light shining. Bart convinced the other students to join him, escaping through the crawlspace. Nelson dragged Martin along, so he couldn't rat them out to Skinner. They made their way through the crawlspace and found themselves in Skinner's office. They ransacked his desk until they discovered their permanent records. Bart asked what his said, and Lisa said that it looked like Skinner just slammed his face into the book and held it up revealing a perfect imprint of his angry face. Upon further investigation, they discovered a confiscated Ouija board. The group got excited and decided to play, forcing their reluctant Martin to join in. The scene played out with them asking the board different questions. Milhouse asked if he would ever have a girlfriend, and the cursor continually slammed into the word no. They asked when Martin would die, and the cursor spelled out the word Soon Martin began to panic and took his hand off the cursor An ominous wind began blowing in the room and the board started floating in the air The cursor moved on its own, spelling You didn't say goodbye Shadowy arms and legs pushed out of the board and it rushed at Martin throwing him onto a coat rack and impaling him Nelson tried to fight the board, but its shadows wrapped around his arm and forced him to punch himself in the face, while chanting, Stop tormenting yourself. Nelson's bloody body fell to the floor, and Milhouse turned to Bart and Lisa. There's no chance of me surviving this one, is there? He asked them. The Ouija board appeared behind him, spelling out, No. No. The arms then grabbed Milhouse's neck and snapped it. The board slowly advanced on a trembling Bart and Lisa. The two held each other and said goodbye. The board suddenly stopped and said, Oh, goodbye then. The shadows disappeared, and the board laid harmlessly on the floor. Bart and Lisa shrugged and left. The two were about to walk back through the auditorium doors. When Skinner walked in, and scolded them, saying he was now going to have to start over for them. Bart asked if they could just say that they accepted and be done with it. Skinner reluctantly agreed and escorted them back to the class. He took them into a dark classroom and shut the door with a sinister smile on his face. This was where things took an extremely uncomfortable turn. All music and sound stopped, and our point of view began moving back down the hall toward the auditorium. It pushed in the doors and revealed all the other students still in the room. However, they were no longer sleeping. All the students were extremely pale, eyes wide with terror. They were completely motionless, and it became clear that they were all dead. The camera slowly panned, revealing all their faces frozen with the last look of utter terror That they would ever experience. As the commercial break started, I sat there stunned. The Simpsons had explored dark territory before, but that final scene was downright disturbing. I was shocked becoming more interested because I had been hoping for this for years. A truly frightening Halloween special. I was invested now, and I couldn't wait for more. The commercials ended and the second segment started. The title of this one was, Dawn of the Unfed. Wow, they were really starting to stretch these puns now. It opened on the nuclear power plant, where Lenny, Carl, and Charlie were staring at the clock about to strike noon. They grew more desperate as the seconds clicked by, and they complained about being extremely hungry. The clock struck noon, sounding the lunch bell, and the group rushed towards the lunchroom their path became blocked by Mr. Burns, who informed them that there was a problem with the reactor, and they needed to fix it before they could eat. Charlie pointed out that by law, they have the right to refuse unsafe work. Mr. Burns smiled, and explained that they never read the terms and conditions of their contracts, and that they had waived that right. The group let out a sigh, and got into their biohazard suits. They tried to fix the core, but it sprung a strong leak, sending noxious green gas into the chamber. They began to panic, but Carl did a reading and discovered that the radiation levels were leveling out to the exact amount the suits could take. As long as the radiation in the area stayed the exact same, they'd be all right. A sudden beep got their attention, and they slowly looked over to see the lunchroom on the other side of the glass, where Homer just put his lunch in the microwave. Why is the reactor next to the lunchroom? Money asked. Budget cuts, Carl responded. The trio's suits started to burst open, exposing them to toxic gas. The gas melted their skin and turned them into zombie-like mutants. They broke through the glass into the lunchroom and began hissing the word, Hungry, at Homer. Hey, no way, I bought this TV dinner and I'm not sharing it. Oh, don't worry. Plan to eat you, Charlie Rass. Okay, we can split the green beans, Homer replied fearfully. The three rushed at Homer, who fled down the hall. Homer couldn't run anymore and attempted to hide in some pipes behind him. However, no matter how hard he squeezed, he was too fat to fit in between them. Giving up, he ran to the suggestion box down the hall and wrote down, Please make hiding places large enough for average American citizen. He put the message in the box and ran down to his office barricading the door. The three zombies began scratching at the door and tried to coax Homer out. Edison Homer, we are so hungry. We will make it quick, we promise. Just open the door. Once again, the music cut out and the scene cut to different parts of the plant where several bodies lay and the only sounds were the drops of blood hitting the floor. The scene cut back to Homer's office, where the zombies were still whispering for Homer to open up. The camera slowly panned into Homer, who was dead. His eyes were lifeless and face extremely shrunken in, showing that he had starved to death over time. The scene cut out on that disturbing image. I rushed to the bathroom as commercials began and started breathing heavily debating if I was going to spill back out all the Halloween candy. Each time I closed my eyes, I saw Homer's shrunken face, which looked just like shrunken heads that you'd see in history textbooks. I had been watching gruesome horror movies since I was five years old, and it never had anything affect me like that, especially not a cartoon. There was just something about the images of Homer's emaciated body that felt too wrong, too real. I debated on turning off the TV, but no, I had come this far, and I couldn't turn back now. I had to see this through to the end. This was, after all, just a simple cartoon. The final sketch was a complete departure from the first two. From anything Simpsons, in fact. While the first two sketches had disturbing moments, they still carried the traditional references and humor expected from the series. This sketch contained no humor and no genuine story. The entire sketch was in POV format, taking the perspective of an unseen character. Our point of view was sleeping in a tent when Bart and Lisa came in and told them it was time. They got up and began following them through the woods. This went on for several minutes, and during this time, there was no dialogue, no jokes of any kind. Occasionally, Bart or Lisa would turn back and stare at the screen. Again, I got that strange feeling I had in the opening, where they were not just looking at the screen, but right at me. However, it was not simply the staring that was unsettling this time, but their expressions. Their faces were filled with sorrow and empathy. It was the kind of look a child might give to a beloved pet after being taken to the vet to be put down. It filled me with both fear and sadness, the likes of which I had never felt before. After nearly ten minutes, they finally arrived at a mysterious dark cave. Bart and Lisa turned around, but refused to look us in the eye, staring mournfully at the ground instead. You need to go in alone, Bart said with melancholy. We can't go in, not yet anyway, Lisa said with equal sadness that was tinged with fear. The unseen protagonist walked into the cave, and with increased weariness traversed into the darkness. Each step away from the entrance brought more and more darkness, until our perspective was standing on the precipice of utter blackness. It was there that the walking stopped, and they simply waited. Then emanating from the darkness came the sounds of heavy footsteps growing closer and closer. They moved at a slow and steady pace, growing louder with each step echoing through the cavity of my real chest. Through the dim light of the setting sun behind the POV, I began to notice a shadow in blackness. A phenomenon that I know is impossible, yet there was this shadow forming before my eyes. It looked like both nothing and everything at the same time. It was a formless mass that embodied your worst fears, as if it was made of them. It was a shadow of pure terror. It moved towards me, and suddenly I seemed out of control of my own body and felt myself convulsing. A slimy stream of drool and foam came from my mouth, and my body began shaking. <coughs> I hit the floor, and everything went black. I awoke a few hours later to the light of dawn. The TV was still on, playing the marathon from the night before. However, I had no desire to watch it. I pulled myself off the floor and found my shirt, soaked with a combination of sweat and saliva. I had never had a history of epilepsy before, and I couldn't think of what I might have saw to cause it. I picked up my phone and jumped online to see if anyone else witnessed the strange episode. But my searches all came up blank. I wondered if I could have dreamt the whole thing but if that was the case, why would I have woken up on the floor covered in my own drool? I don't know what I really saw that night, but there are moments where I randomly see things that trigger my memory. Every time this happens, I suffer from a massive panic attack and nearly seize up again before I can get a good picture of it in my mind. Whatever it was, it will still haunt me for the rest of my days. I sent the story out to seek answers. Did anyone else see this episode, or experience the same terror I felt? And above all, if I'm not alone in this, what did you see in that darkness?